You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Amen for sure. Have a seat. We're going to continue our journey through John here. And uh, I just need to confess... That I'm married to a saint. <laughs> but she's a different saint than when I first met her a little more than 55 years ago because she had double cataract surgery this week. Oh. And she's not wearing any glasses and she's the wrong woman. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see that. Sherry and I will have our 55th anniversary on Thursday, so. Oh. Yay! Oh. Yeah, I'm celebrating we're going to Boise. <laughs> but I'll get back next Sunday and we'll go down to the Esther Lee, which is our place down at the coast. You know, one of the things I thought about, we, I was seventh grade through college in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I was actually born there and raised in Missouri. And that time in Albuquerque was a time when I grew up in a very multicultural environment, North 4th Street there. Uh, a lot of Hispanic folk with different backgrounds, fair number of Anglo folk from different backgrounds, good group of Native American, both uh, what we call Plains Indians and uh, Pueblo Indians. And uh, it was just a good place to be. I enjoyed the multicultural thing. And then after Sherry and I were married, we went back to her home back in central Arkansas. And I saw firsthand in your face really, really, really nice people who were racists. They'd, I mean, they weren't at one level. I mean, black folk or fine folk, they just need to keep to themselves. And uh, it was just crazy. And to this day, the church she grew up in has never had a black person inside the building. And it's just a different kind of thing. And uh, it's just one of those things that really caught me. I mean, I knew about it, but I didn't know about it till I was with her really nice family. And they are. They're fine Christian folk. It's just part of the culture there. Since then, I've found lots of racism and different things. We lived in the Philippines for three years and I saw the racism between Filipinos and Japanese coming from World War II in a lot of different places. And what we're finding in this story we're looking at here today is another kind of racism. And it gets violent in this argument. So what I want to do is we're going to read this passage, John chapter 8. And Renee Wells, who's my hero, is back there on the slides. And she's going to advance the slides and keep up with me. Watch her do it well. <laughs> John 8.31 is where our passage begins here. And we'll go to the end of the chapter. To the Jews who have believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. They answered him, We're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves to anyone. How can you say we need to be set free? Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. I know it's your Abraham's descendants, yet you're looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I have seen in my father's presence, and you're doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. 
As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me. A man who told you the truth I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I have come from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any one of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever, believes, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you don't hear me is you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, huh, Aren't we right in saying you're a Samaritan? Demon-possessed? Racism. I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus. But I honor my father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself. But there is one who seeks it. And he is the judge. Very truly I tell you. Whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they claim. Now we know you're demon possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said it did not, then I'd be a liar like you. And I do know him and obey his word. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him. And you've seen Abraham? Come on. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from them on the temple ground. This is the word of the Lord. It's a, quite a story. Quite a story. Quite a story. And when I look at this, in this interaction that's going on, this just blast at each other, it's coming out of some differences. And uh, do you ever see a sign like this? Probably not this unless, because this has been a long time since those signs were up. This is from a hotel in Alabama. That's sin. It is. The sign that was more in my area, coming from out here, is like this. Now, I never saw a sign like that, but I saw the attitude when I was growing up. Because one of my girlfriends was Rosalie Garcia. She was a part of our church. And we liked each other a lot and dated off and on. And 
uh, ended up going our separate ways, still friends and connected with each other still to this day. But in the, there was people in our church who looked and said, now you and Rosalie are really good friends, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you're not getting married, are you? Why were they saying that? Because she's Garcia, Hispanic, and I'm Anglo. And they were saying, you can't have cross-racial marriage. And I didn't want to defend the right to marry Rosalie because I wasn't sure I wanted to. And I was fairly sure she didn't want to marry me. <laughs> but see, that, that's the kind of question you run into here. And when we think of this racism, what we're thinking about is an attitude that says our family and culture is superior to your family and culture. And therefore, we have the right to tell you how and where to live. That's racism. And it comes in all kinds of different things. Sometimes it's ethnic. Sometimes it's political. I mean, there's all kinds of racism that goes on. It's not just ethnic stuff. And Jesus ran into that. And they slammed him with racial epithets. Many people say the solution is this. Diversity. It's become a watchword for our society these days. Diversity and inclusion. Uh, And diversity, the idea is that all families, cultures, are fully valid and have equal right to choose where and how you live. Now, racism, ironically, some of the loud anti-racists are some of the most racist people I know, which is crazy but true and in the names of diversity I find people excluding people because I don't like your politics or I don't like your skin color That's these do not solve the problem but see Jesus is not really speaking to these problems when the church is pretty clear in the churches you know Jew nor Greek slave nor free male or female. We all come to the table and we all live together and love together and serve together and play together. I mean, that's the church. But see, Jesus is talking about a deeper thing yet, and that's the fact that there are two families that are deeper than the racial things. And Jay was talking last week, one family is Abraham's by birth, ethnic Jews, who are the ones who are trying to kill him. The other is Abraham's children, by faith, or maybe by trust would be better, or maybe by allegiance. These are the people actually spiritually connected. So there's a physical family of Abraham, the Jewish folk, and there's a spiritual family of Abraham, those who join him by faith and allegiance. That's the family that counts. So coming back to that question that came from me in relation to Rosalie Garcia, do we as a church believe in interracial marriage? Careful, it's a trick question. I would never ask you guys a trick question, would I? And see, what we're going to say is absolutely yes across ethnic lines. Absolutely. And we're going to say no across the two family lines. So we do not believe in marrying a Christian and a non-Christian. Because that's crossing a kingdom barrier. And see what's happening here in our passage was the Jays. Jesus continued, you are from below, I am 
from above. You're of this world, I am not of this world. And that's the other way to talk about these two families, the world above and the world below. And see, those are two families, and there's only two families that count. All the ethnicities and everything, as important as that is, and it is important, the difference in cultures between races and ethnicities such is really important. And I love the fact that we're somewhat diverse here in terms of culture and such, which were more than it was. See, that Jesus brings together to celebrate our differences and enrich each other through those. But this difference is kingdom difference. And the good thing is, if you're from the world below, you can join the world above free of cost. All you have to do is say, I want Jesus to be my guy. And then, see a tank back there? You can't see it, the light's off now. See a tank? What are we going to do in that tank here in a little while? We have two, we're going to have a father, son get baptized. I don't know just how they're going to do it, but it's going to be cool. I think there's a dad-son relationship going on in the tank. Let's see if I got it right, because I think it's great. And you could join the party. I didn't bring any clothes. We got it. I didn't bring a towel. We got it. We got you. Maybe this is time when you need to declare, I'm a, I'm a world above guy through baptism. Jay will be over there on the side here in a little while, and you can go talk to him and we could do it today. Or you can come back at Easter because Easter Sunday we're going to do baptisms again. You could be baptized on Resurrection Day. How cool is that? Two families that count. Not Filipino, Chinese, Japanese, Mexican, Ecuadorian. Those are, I mean, they're important, but they're relatively minor. But they're two fathers to the two families. This is the way Jesus puts it. Would you like to have him say that about you? You belong to your father, the devil. <laughs> you carry your father's desires. He was a murderer. How long? From the beginning. What beginning is that? That's the Genesis 1-1 beginning. That's when God created the universe. He was already a murderer at the beginning and he is a liar from the beginning. First John chapter 3, he says the same kinds of things. The devil has been sinning from the beginning. Amen. See, that's a picture of the father of the world below. When the people say, we have no father, we do. We do. First John, or John 12, from the time of the judgment is on this world, now the prince of this world will be driven out. And see, we who live here in the greater Portland area see the impact of the devil all the time. Disease, death, despair, chaos. Cancer. Satan's having a heyday in our metroplex. Some areas worse than others. Just look at the shootings that are going on. And so many other things. Satan is the prince of this world. The devil, yeah, he is prince of this world. Now, he's not king. He's a usurper. He's an invader in God's world. But he's the prince. And he's the guy that calls the shots for a lot of things in this world. And we see the injustice. We see the despair. We see the death. We see the diseases. So much, so much pain coming from the prince of this world. Another thing about him, he is the ultimate narcissist. 
Now, you don't have to look very far to see narcissists. Just look at the top of political stuff, and you'll find them there pretty consistently. A narcissist, good question. A narcissist is somebody who totally believes they're the special person, and they should be on top of everything. And everybody else is an idiot, and I'll tell you you're an idiot, unless you're loyal to me. And as long as you're really loyal to me, then I'll give you lots and lots and lots of privileges. That's a narcissist. Self-centered, self-congratulatory, self-raising. And the ultimate narcissist is Satan. Ezekiel 28 has a poem about the Prince of Tyre, which is a picture probably of Satan. And this throne-bearing cherub, who gets to carry the throne of the God Most High, as Ezekiel pictures this, instead of carrying the throne, an incredible, incredible privilege, wants to be on the throne. I will ascend to the throne. I will be the Most High. See, that's the narcissist. He's a murderer, liar, a sinner from the beginning. That's one father. That's one father of one family in a world, as Jesus is telling the story. But that's not the only one. When they ask him, where's your father? He says, you don't know me or my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Who is the father of Jesus? Who is the father of Jesus? God. Good. That one's hard, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But now the question is, which God? Because there are a lot of people claiming to be God. A lot of spiritual beings say, I'm God. And they're trying to get rein in and horn in on the action. Up in heavens. Well, they're in the heavenlies too, unfortunately, those demons. This is a God. When Moses said, who are you? This is what God said. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. It's that God who is the father of Jesus. So, the devil on one side, the great I am on the other side. We're seeing that song following the sermon, and we've been singing about it already. He is the maker of heaven and earth. He is the ultimate, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, loving, faithful, forgiving, just being. Period. Amen. He's the one. Can you believe that first sentence? What's Jesus saying here? Abraham saw today. Now, when Jesus said that, how long had Abraham been dead? Like 2,000 years. And they're all saying, you've got to be kidding. You're not 50 years old. What do you mean? You've seen Abraham? When did that happen? Abraham rejoicing to see Jesus. When did that happen? Well, this is Genesis 18. Abraham's been with God for a while. And the Lord, when you see the four capital letters, that tells you that's the name Yahweh that's back behind that, the name of the God who created heaven and earth, the great I Am. The great I Am appeared to Abraham. Near the trees at Mamre, sitting in the entrance of the heat of the day. Abraham looked up, and what did he see? Does he see God? Or does he see three guys? Does he see Yahweh? Or does he see three guys? You know, when I read the scripture, I have two basic responses. One of them is, what? 
and the other is, huh, this is a what? Wait a minute, come on, storyteller, can't you get it right? Is it God or is it three guys? Well, by the time you finish reading through chapter 19, all three of those have been called Yahweh. This is the Trinity shows up to have lunch with Abraham. And the second person in the Trinity is the guy who's going to become Jesus, incarnate. That's the first place where Abraham saw the one who will be Jesus 2,000 years later. This is the second, Genesis 22, a horror story. God tested Abraham. He said, Abraham, here am I. Take your son your only son, your miracle son, your beloved son, little laughter, who's a strong young man now, to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. I mean, if this is Moloch doing it, we'd think no big deal. But this is Yahweh doing it. Unthinkable. And Abraham, being the man that he is after 50 years of working with God, takes off the next morning to Moriah. Now Moriah is a place where Solomon's going to build a temple. And on that same mountain, 2,000 years later, the father is going to sacrifice the son, Jesus. Very same mountain. This is a prophetic picture of what's going to happen with the father and the son on Mount Calvary. But Abraham doesn't know that. He's going to have to kill his kid. And we follow through the story he reaches out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. I've got two fine sons, bio sons, and the idea of taking their chin and pulling it back and slitting their throat, I can't even, I, my mind will not go there. When he does it, the angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied, don't lay a hand on the boy. And God provides a ram in place of the boy. Who is it that speaks to him? God. It's the angel of the Lord. This Malach Yahweh. In several other stories in scripture, this angel Lord is also called the Lord a couple of verses later. Who is this? We believe that's the second person in the Trinity who will become Jesus a couple thousand years later when he's incarnate himself. Abraham sees the second person of the Trinity. Do you think he's glad when the angel said, stop, don't sacrifice the boy after all, use that ram instead? I think he's really glad. Yes. Really glad. But it didn't stop there. Very true, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, is this weird or what? How old is Jesus? 33 years old. How long has Abraham been dead? A couple of millennia. Before Abraham was born, I am. And see what he's saying, that last two words, I am there? The Greek is ego eimi. And it's the same as I am in the Greek translation of the Old Testament from Exodus 3.14. What's it saying? Before Abraham was born, I am. And I'm that I am. I am. What he's saying here, because they ask him, who are you? He says, let me tell you. I'm Yahweh. 
come among you in incarnation. The word became flesh. Before Abraham was born, I am. Who's he? Who is he? He's saying, as father, I am the father who created heaven and earth. Satan says, I will ascend and be the most high. The second person of the Trinity is the most high who descends to be our sacrifice for sin, to conquer the devil. Those are the two fathers. But we're not done yet. Of course, they figure out what's going on when he said, I am. And they picked up stones to stone him. But he was able to leave them. This is quite a statement here. Jesus said, if you do not believe that I am he, the son of man, the great I am, you will die in your sins. Because you're in this family of the devil. But through his sacrifice, you can come out of there with the guilt of sin, the shame of shortcomings, the fear of being wonked. You can come into the family of the Father through the work of Jesus Christ. You could do that right now. You could get baptized, declare that you've done that here in a few minutes. Not that I'm selling something. Don't you love this word? I love it. Freedom. Various pictures of it. Freedom. Beautiful. The trapped bird set free. Freedom. The bondage is broken. Freedom. It's such a word. It's inherent, essential to our life here in the United States. John says this. He says, first of all, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So there's a connection between truth and freedom. At the end of this said, if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. What he's saying is true freedom comes from the Son. But in the middle of that, he talks about a kind of freedom that our world is saying, and that is the freedom to do anything I want to do. And what he says, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Okay, now you got one of these probably when you came in. There are 37 blanks on it. It's kind of a record. <laughs> and I just tell you right now, I'm going to talk about the two freedoms, and I'm going to go from the front side to the back side. You're going to be really confused, but you're smart. You can figure it out. I'm going to start on the front side. Isn't that amazing? So, two freedoms, and the first freedom is the freedom of this world. This is the narrative you hear all the time. And who is the father of this world? Who is the father of this world? The devil. And what is he? A murderer, a liar, a sinner from the beginning. And freedom in this world is living without boundaries on my choices. There are no boundaries on my choices in this world unfettered in the process of self-definition. That's a song of freedom. Nobody can tell me what to do. I am the one who will decide. Anybody tells me that I can't is an oppressor. That's a song that's being sung a lot. And that is the lie of Satan. See, we as Christians also believe in freedom 
but it's the freedom of Jesus' world, and it's a very different freedom. In Jesus' world, freedom is becoming fully integrated as a person. Its freedom is following my design and my purpose in community with God and others. It's a very different concept of freedom. Freedom in the world says throw off all restraints. Freedom in Christ said join the truth of the Son and live in a community of faithfulness. The first world says, I will be served. The second world, the Jesus world says, I will serve. Because I'm designed to do that, just like the son of glory. Another dimension is authority. The authority in this world is an authority of authenticity. That means I'm going to be me. And ain't nobody tell me I'm going to be something different. That's the world of eros. The love here is now the self-satisfying love, the self-centered love. And what this comes out is mortality must resonate with who I feel I am. And that defines reality. Because I am the center. Now, authenticity opposed to hypocrisy, good thing. Authenticity is opposed to the authenticity of feelings as opposed to design. That's a whole different thing. And our world today says, I got to be me. And ain't nobody tell me to be anything else. In Jesus' world, there's a different authority. It's the authority of lordship. And what we're saying here is this is the world of agape. This is the self-giving love that we see in Jesus. And whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up your cross and follow me. Do I indulge my desires? Or I desire, deny my desires? See, that's the difference between the two. Ironically, ironically, as Christians, we absolutely believe in freedom. What is the most American holiday in our entire calendar? July 4th. And what do we call it? Independence Day. And what we're going to do, the two who are going to be baptized in a little bit here, and maybe some of you are going to join them, right? You're declaring your Dependence Day. Because independence, meaning I have no master, is a myth and a lie. You have a master, it's just which one is the right master. And when we give up the right to define ourselves and say, Lord Jesus, I will follow your design for my life, you're declaring your dependence on the God of all grace and compassion. In this world, you consolidate power for privilege and to crush your enemies. Just look at the political news. It's all over. That's what they do. That's what you do. I gather power to myself so I can be privileged, and then I use my power to crush my enemies. That's the way of this world for success. That's what you've got to do. In Jesus' world, power is very different. Power is not a bad thing. Power in this world is you know, I use my power to serve others and love my enemies. Try that in the political realm and see how it works. Actually, you know the thing that's amazing is the most respected politicians in the state of Oregon and the United States, city of Portland, are Christians who live consistently mm-hmm. and servingly. It's amazing. It's amazing. 
Now, a lot aren't there, too. Which master will you serve is the question Jesus is answering. Finally, what do I do with my desires? In this world, the narrative is I indulge all my passions for the sake of personal fulfillment or personal pleasure. I want to do it. It's going to feel good. Here we go. And I can do anything as long as I don't hurt somebody I like in this world. That's the narrative. Jesus said if you indulge the sin apart from the truth, you become a slave to it. Look at the level of anxieties and addictive stuff that's going on in our society because this myth has got a lot of power in our culture. Jesus' world is very different. We don't deny passions. We don't. We use our passions. We focus our passions for the sake of faithful, loving relationship. Sharon and I have been doing this giving to each other for 55 years now. She's better at it than I am. But we're seeking how we can serve each other through all kinds of different things. And I tell you, that's the way of freedom. It's the way of freedom, really, is to use my passions to serve and also to focus for relationship. Worship team, are you around here? We're going to sing here in a bit if you want to come up here and join us. What's the response? It's not enough for us to be intrigued with Jesus. It really isn't. There are a lot of people intrigued with Jesus. Oh, I like Jesus. That's not enough. You get any more than like him. Uh, it's not enough to be spiritual. I know a lot of people, oh, I'm spiritual but not religious. That won't, that's, that's, that's the, the world side. It's not enough to be a church member. The fact that you're a member of Grace Community Church, and we're a good church, we are. We're not the only good church, but we're one of them, does not make you a member of Jesus' team. Matt, are you a good guy? Okay, I'm going to use this Matt here because he's my friend. I want you to do something. I'm going to get close so people can hear. I want you to bark like a dog and put your feelings into it, my friend. All right, good bark. Well done. Does that make him a dog? No. No. See, doing good stuff, being a good person, doesn't make you a Jesus follower. Now, being a Jesus follower will make you a good person. But he can bark better as a Jesus follower than a world person. Anyway. <laughs> Pardon my, yeah, bark. Yeah, there you go. What would be on your list here? What's the thing you're inclined to do but not go to the Jesus site? See, and the thing is, we must believe and become disciples. You've got to believe into Jesus and join his mission. You have to know the truth, not just cognitively, but know with your whole person, your heart. You have to walk into freedom. That's the call. We're going to do baptisms here in a bit. We're going to sing a couple songs, and Jay's over there. If you're at the spot where you think you want to be baptized... If you've never been baptized before, we'd love to do this with you. If you've been baptized before, we'll deny the right to do it again because baptism is a one-time thing. There are communion tables off on the side. If you want to do some communion, you can do that. But we're going to sing a couple songs, and then we're going to have a baptism. It's going to be amazing. Is that cool or what? <laughs> student minister, student team over here, thanks for coming and joining us. This is some of our students. Say hey. All right. 
We exile them upstairs most of the time, but no, it's good to have you with us. You're a part of it. And we just want to say, you know, that this declaration that I'm giving up running my own life, I'm actually going to serve a different master. I'm not going to serve self. I'm not going to serve Satan. I'm not going to serve my pretty wife. Well, I am, but in a different way. I'm going to make Jesus the center of my life. I did it a long time ago. That's what we're talking about here today. That's what David and Luke were celebrating here today. And what I'd like to suggest to you, most of you here are following Jesus and growing in that and moving to freedom. I was on an airplane coming back from California Friday night. And when I get an airplane, I sit in my seat, I put my noise-canceling headphones on, and I don't want to talk to anybody anywhere anytime. Uh, I fly a lot, and I've got some work to do. And the plane was absolutely full. Nice guy sat down. I waved at him, said nothing. Uh, and when we landed in Portland, uh, I have to take off my noise-canceling headphones. And I usually greet who's around me if I haven't already. In this case, he greeted me. And here's what I'd like to suggest. When you meet somebody like this, the way I identify myself in places like that, in the first sentence or the second sentence, I try to say, I'm a pastor. Just to get Jesus into the conversation. Now, that's what I say. Probably you're not going to say that because you're not a pastor. <laughs> but what you can say is identify in some way that's near and dear to something that you are or do to let people know that you're a Jesus follower. I am astounded at the conversations I get out of that. Instead of, ooh, you know, one of those, I get that occasionally, but not very often because I do it with a smile. I get in the most interesting conversations with people because people are seeking truth. But you got to let them know, I got it. His name is Jesus. So what I'd like to encourage you to do is find a way in your interactions as you meet people to identify yourself as a Jesus follower and do it with a smile and in a way that invites conversation. Because people desperately need the hope and the joy and the freedom that comes with Jesus. Prayer teams are off on the side here. And maybe you want to pray with them or any of us got one of these things on. I want to pray together. Father, thank you for David and Luke and for their testimony. This represents many others as well. And thank you for the freedom that they've embraced and the reality that they're going to live out now to his father and son. Just delight in that. And I think of others who are dealing with broken relationships or fears. Lord, will you be present and near. Grant their grace and hope in these difficult times. Because you are the light of the Lord. And even though stuff happens here, Lord, you are still here. You are still present. You are still working in your ways. And we want to see that. So Holy Spirit, grant us eyes to see who you are in this time. And we respond with our joy, with our allegiance, with our faithfulness, and with our telling the good story of Jesus is alive in this world. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go change the world with that good story. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.